This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 496. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites. Today is Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I am your host, Jacob Paulson, and I am also joined today by Matthew Merrister. Once again, greetings, sir. Yep. And the weather is windy but sunny out here in Colorado, and we're excited to get rolling with today's topic, Are Guns a Deterrent Against Crime? Uh, Today we're going to be uh, addressing, responding to an email we received from a listener of the podcast, and then we're going to be hyper-focusing on a specific justified incident out of Fairbanks, Alaska. And so that'll be fun. But before we do that, before we get too far, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by XS Sites. There are a number of companies out there that sell aftermarket sites, and I think the sites are a pretty viable thing to consider to upgrade from a stock gun. Most guns don't come with particularly amazing sites. And One of the things that I've learned, I think, uh, I'd say, well, learning, I'm still learning, but one of the things I've I've been learning uh, later in my journey as a concealed carrier is the importance and value of quality sites, and XS sites are absolutely fantastic. They have several different models, but I think what they they really specialize in, I think that, like, the thing that sets them apart is big, fast site acquisition. You know, this this idea of, like, you've got to be blind to not see our sites and to acquire them quickly. Um... I guess that's that's my two cents on excess uh, sites. Uh, more more to come as as they're now the uh, title sponsor of our podcast network. So you'll hear more about excess sites. But you can always go and check out their products at, at xssites.com. That's X-ray. Sierra. I don't know what is it? Sierra. 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 That's the official. I was going to say something else, and I was like, <laughs> "There's there's real like words for these things." I wasn't cool in the mat in the military like Matthew. So <laughs> I, I don't know my phonetic alphabet. So xssites.com. Also, today's episode is brought to you by the Legal Boundaries by State book. This is a book now in its, I don't know, fifth or sixth edition uh, that we publish here at concealedcarry.com. It's a legal reference book of gun laws in all 50 states. And once you buy it, you get permanent access to the latest edition of the ebook every time it's updated. And we're probably going to be releasing a new edition in July or August because we've seen a lot of things changing so far this year. So I would encourage you to get your copy right away so that you'll always be notified when there are updates and changes to that book. You can learn more at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. We are uh, recording this episode today live. So we do have uh, live viewers and they'll be probably thrown in some comments. And so we may uh, call some of those out or respond to those as they come in. All right, Matthew, I think that's all the necessary prerequisites. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So let's start with this email we received. Uh, last week, we recorded episode 492. And in that episode, uh, Riley and I, we discussed uh, mindset. We talked about the six elements of a mindset, of a strong mindset. And we kind of went through those one by one. Uh, I don't even know if I can name them all from heart since it's kind of a new concept in our in our company. But defensive, determined, disciplined, aware avoidance, and I'm missing one of the other Ds. Diligent. Diligent, yes. The one I suck at the most. That's kind of <laughs> ironic. So 
I, you know, we kind of talked about the six elements of, of, a, of a mindset of a, of a good, strong mindset. And we got an email from someone named, uh, well, you know, we didn't get his permission to say his name. So maybe I won't, we won't say his name, but I'm going to go ahead and just read it, read his email out loud. And then Matthew, I'm going to let you uh, share your thoughts and, uh, and then I'll circle back as well. Sure. So it, it says the following, Hey guys, love the podcast. I have a question. However, in listening, especially to your recent podcast concerning having a defensive mindset, I noticed a recurring theme. Much of what you said about the various subjects involved being very alert, making sure you're at the top of your physical fitness, ready to run, grapple, and generally being always at 100%. Speaking for myself, I am rarely anywhere near 100%. I am fit, I am strong, but due to certain physical issues, I am almost always tired, in extreme pain, and even exhausted. My body is destroying itself. So today is is as good as I'll ever feel the rest of my life. There is nowhere. As vigilant and on their game as they can be, but for many people, that amounts to simply being happy they can even walk that day. Head up, chin up. Maybe I can look around while I shuffle along. At least I don't need a cane yet. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be contrary. I'm simply trying to correlate your advice with my reality. Any help in that area would be a boon. Thank you for reading. Please keep up the good work. End of quote. So, Matthew. Yes. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw this? Like what if Tom was sitting here in front of you, what would you tell what would you tell him? Yeah, it was actually when I got the email, I was like, man, this it's a super smart, you know, um email and something that can definitely kind of be glossed over or um it 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 requires an, an address and I think that's why I really propose, you know, to you that we do this um um you know, as a whole episode. And because, um, it's super important. I'm, I'm with you. I I almost said your name. Um, I'm with the, the writer of this email, right? Like I have had four or five knee surgeries. I just had a shoulder surgery. I've been in and out of different surgeries or different joints and stuff. And I'm with you. Like I have chronic pain. Um, I'm not the strongest guy, certainly not as strong as I used to be. And so I'm in a lot of pain as well, just like you. And I see things that I used to be able to do as far as, you know, wrestling and defensive control stuff. And, and I wish I could do it with the same intensity and the same strength and, and, and everything like that. So I'm with you. Um, I think one of the things in the comment that was, uh, or the email that was stood out to me, it says, um, uh, making sure that you're at the top of your physical fitness. And I think that that's an individual thing, right? Like what you top of your physical fitness at that day is different than what the top of my physical fitness is that day. And, you know, I might be going rehabbing an injury. I'm going to be as best as I can for that day at that point in, in, in my life. Right. Um, and I have to be, live in that reality, not somebody else's or not what I used to be, you know, six months ago or potentially what I could be in six months after I rehab or once I start, you know, uh, doing more cardio, maybe I had, you know. So my point is, is that in general, and I'll, I'll, I'll give it back to you, Jacob, but in general, I think it's important that we judge ourselves against 
what where we can be the best given our circumstances. Um, and it might not be as good as it was yesterday or it could be tomorrow, but wherever we are, we should we should try to make sure at least physically we're as good as we can be. And where we see that we're diminishing in certain areas, maybe pick up somewhere else, have a more uh, alert mind because I know now my reaction time is a little bit slower. I can't fight as long. So now maybe, you know, I have to mitigate those risks a little bit differently. So um, that's kind of where I would start. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, this email from this listener is focused around physical limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm not as slow. Maybe I'm in pain, or not as fast. I'm in pain. I, I can't move quickly, uh, etc. But I think that we have to recognize that there are tons of limitations beyond just the physical. Uh, just you know, my own knowledge, education, training, and experience is a limitation. What I wear is a limitation. Um, where I go or where I live or how I conduct myself is a potential limitation. My employment could be a limitation. And maybe I'm not allowed to have a gun with me at work. Um, you know, you could have family situations. Maybe you live with a felon, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty significant limitation to having guns with you. You know, there's, there's just a ton of limit. I mean, legal issues you could live, you know, if you, maybe you live in New Jersey that limits you on the ammunition you can carry in your gun. Uh, maybe you live in a place that has a magazine capacity limitation or, or who, you know, a variety of other legal limitations, so I, I, I guess my, the first place my brain went when I read this email from a listener is I thought to myself, you know, none of us can rise up to the level of perfection. Like none of us are John Wick, <laughs> right? Like in, if, if we're if really talking like the standard, like what's the standard, right? Like the standard would be I'm, I'm some just bad to the bone, grappling hand fighting armed to the tooth person with tons of ammo spare mags a baton pepper spray taser you know a couple of flashlights and uh my head's on a swivel all the time and i you know i've practiced with all of these different things and retention systems and you know i'm like a, a cop on duty combined with Dwayne Johnson uh, com- combined with, you know, John wick. Like, and it just, you really going to rue the day you screw with me. You know, that, that, that's just not like, none of us are there. All of us are limited in some way by our experience, by our knowledge, by, by our physical ability. And so, um, you know, am I more physically able to you know run the other way than, than maybe, you know, my dad, <laughs> Yes, I suspect that's very true. However, I assure you, I'm not as physically fit as I should be, right? Am I, you know, should I be aware of my surroundings all the time? Totally. But am I? Uh, No, (laughs) for sure not. Sometimes I'm focused on this, you know, what my kid is trying to tell me and I'm not understanding what they're saying. And it's a, you know, I'm tired and I want to get home and they're trying to, you know, ask me this question why we're out and about doing whatever thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, just explain this. Like, can you say that again? So I, I just want to go home. Right. So I'm constantly distracted. I'm, I'm, I'm not always alert to what's going on. So I think Mr. Listener who wrote us that email that take it in the context that we're all just on the journey somewhere. That's how I think of it. Like we're just all on the journey. 
we all have limitations. Often our own knowledge and experience and training is, is one of the most significant limitations. Sometimes it's a physical limitation. Uh, we've had classes. I've had students in my class in wheelchairs and, and all sorts of other kinds of physical limitations. So we all just got to say, you know, this is where I'm at. And I think, I think to me, the takeaway is to perform a self-evaluation and figure out where you're weakest and address it. I'll give you an example. Uh, a, a year or two ago, uh, I started to notice a lot of conversation in our industry, you know, self-defense handgun industry, the, about medical, you know, and and I, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it like it wasn't happening before that, but just it, it kind of got on my radar. Everyone's talking about emergency medical and stop the bleed and tourniquets and stuff, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't know much about that stuff. It's really completely outside of my wheelhouse. And so I identified that as a place I was weak relative to my overall ability to like survive life and be prepared for emergencies. So I, I looked at that as that's a weak point of mine. I need to address that, right? So I invested some time and some energy into getting the good gear and, and getting some training and education and learning how to use that gear, um, et cetera. And, and when we did that, that episode, a couple episodes ago about mindset, we talked about the six different elements for strong mindset. I don't remember if we said this on the podcast, but it was certainly my intention to basically say, you know, this isn't about being perfect in all six categories. This is about identifying which category you're weakest in and doing something about it. And all limitations aside, you can always improve somewhere on something. The point is to pick, right? To identify something and do something about it. Yeah, and and I would add to that as well is some of the physical stuff. Um, you know, we 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 may not be as strong as we used to be. So then, how can we mitigate the deficiency there? Right, like we can only get so strong as we age. Right, like we, we might have some sort of injury or whatnot. So what what can I do that makes me a little bit? Um, uh, better, easier to survive a fight, right? Like, what do I have to do? Well, maybe I have to change um, some of the things I do. Maybe I don't go out and drink alcohol because I, that's already something that's going to diminish my ability to kind of um, keep my situational awareness and, 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 and pay attention to what's around me. So I'm, you know, some a situation where I might have been able to survive with my just free you know, sheer strength or youth or, or energy and, and, and that I can't do that. So what do I do? I, I think smart or I, I strategize a little bit smarter, right? Um, maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's not that I'm trying to get stronger or, or, you know, keep my, get my draw from 1.5 seconds to one second. Maybe I'm because of physical limitations, that's the max I can, you know, I, I'm solid there. I'm good. I, I can't seem to get much lower, but I maintain that. So I don't just say the, you know, the discipline part is like, I maintain that. I don't just say, well, you know, I'm getting older. I can't do this and, and things. So I'm just, I'm just not going to practice, right? Like, you know, not, if, if you don't practice, if you, if you're not training, if you're not challenging yourself or learning new techniques and, and testing your gear and doing these things at a regular interval, you're not only are you not getting better, but you're actually getting worse, right? Like in the long run, because those skills are, are, are diminishing. So at least, you know, that discipline mindset of physical fitness is I'm going to do what I can to survive physically. 
being healthy, eating right, doing, you know, if I smoke, maybe I'm trying to stop smoking because I know that that's not great for me. So I'm trying to do these things. Um, I'm trying to potentially um, maintain or, or ma- maintain certain standards of, of skill set. Right. And so I think, you know, in my mind, that's kind of where I am is, yeah, we're, we're all diminishing. We're all deteriorating to one source, one point or another, some quicker than others. Um, but what are we doing to try to mitigate some of those things? And how can we um, how can we still um, win a fight or stay out of a fight? It, it, you know, um, and, and as we get older, we get a little bit more wise and we start using our brain a little bit more than our brawn. So maybe that's also a, a, a sort of a, a strategy as well there. I like, I like that. You know, I mean, my, my big thing was, Hey, we're all weak, pick something and working on it, work on it. And I think that my big takeaway from what you said was you, you, as we get older, perhaps, or for whatever reason, we tend to put more things in our liability column. So the idea is to balance those liabilities with some specific assets to help mitigate risk uh, or minimize those liabilities. And so I, I think that's, that sounds pretty smart to me. Very good, very good, very good. So, good thoughts. Listener, thank you for the email. Uh, we do read all the emails that come in. If you want to email us here at the show, you can just email podcast at concealedcarry.com. And those do get through. Sometimes it takes a little while to respond, but we do receive them, I think. I guess if we're not receiving some, I wouldn't know about it. But I think mm-hmm. we're getting them all. Okay, so we're going to transition a little bit now, and we're going to talk about an incident from Fairbanks, Alaska. Now, before we started recording, Matthew, I asked you if you'd ever been to Alaska, and and you said no, right? No, I haven't. Yeah. You've probably been to Hawaii. Yes. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I've never been to Hawaii, but I've been to Alaska. (laughs) Uh, In my experience, uh, people have been to one, but not the other. So I spent four days in Fairbanks, Alaska in February of 2010. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever going to visit Fairbanks, I don't suggest February. <laughs> so it's so cold and daylight is limited. But this particular incident that we're going to talk about today uh, looks like it happened uh, here recently in March uh, there in Fairbanks, Alaska. And it, it really all goes down at a gas station. So I think maybe the best way to kind of approach this, Matthew, is to give people the narrative, just broadly speaking, and then and then maybe we go back and, and you know, just, you know, ad- address some of the things that we think are critical takeaways. Sure. You want to give you, the brother. I'm, I'm leaving it on you. Why don't you give us the narrative? Okay. So here, here it is. Um, this is a story I think we can pull a lot of stuff out. I'll give the, the quick overview, and then I'll give it back to you, Jacob, for the uh, a little down and dirty. So, uh, headline is Good Samaritan Stops Robbery at Alaska Gas Station. Good story, uh, good outcome. So here's what happens. Uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, Fairbanks resident stops an attempted robbery at a holiday gas station. Um, so the incident started when a 17-year-old allegedly walks into this gas station with a knife. Uh, he tells the employee uh, at the counter that he's robbing the store. Um, the person who we're talking about, Nick Moore, um, he is a customer in the store. He's buying something. He sees what's going on, um, alert, paying attention, sees this guy come in, pulls out a knife, says he's robbing the store. So he puts his the things he's going to buy on like the counter um, and runs out to his car to get his handgun. Okay. Uh, so make point of that. 
runs out to the store to get his handgun. Uh, he comes back into the store and um, racks the slide, points the gun at the bad guy, tells him to get on the ground, um, and the guy complies. Police arrive on the scene, arrest the bad guy, and everything's good. No shots fired, no harm, no foul. Um, and I think it even says that they gave uh, this uh, Nick Moore a free meal or something like that at this at this store, this gas station or something. So anyways, good story. Uh, but there's a couple things that we pulled out that we thought was really were really things that we could point out good and bad and then tie back into the mindset that article um, or concept that we were talking about um, with the uh, with the um, email from the listener. So. I guess I'll hand it back over to you, Jacob, so you can kind of start parsing it out. So the, f- the first critical thing to understand about this incident is it happened in Fairbanks, Alaska. So it was cold, <laughs> so cold. <laughs> that place is so cold. Like imagine a place where you don't want, you don't run water pipes under the ground because they'll freeze. Yeah. So people have water tanks on top of their house because it's less likely to freeze than a pipe going under the ground. It's just so cold. Wow. Uh, I showed up in Alaska. I'm sorry, I can't help this. I show up in Alaska, and in, in Alaska, when you get a rental car at the rental counter, they give it to you with an extension cord so mm-hmm. that you, you can plug in the engine block heater. And they, they look at you like you're an idiot, too. If you're, you're, They're like, let me explain what an engine block heater is. And I'm like, it's cool. I'm from Wyoming. I know what it is. But in my head, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, where am I going to plug it in? Like, am I going to run an extension cord into the, into the hotel <laughs> lobby? But it doesn't matter because every parking spot and every business in, in, in Fairbanks, Alaska, has a power outlet for this reason. Hmm. You know, Walmart has power outlets in every parking stall. The hotel has an outlet in every parking stall. So anyway, the place is freaking cold. Um, <laughs> I just can't get over it. So it's freezing cold. So, the, so this guy, Nicholas Moore, our good Samaritan, he's got good awareness, right? He, he sees someone coming into the store. And so he's paying attention, um, good awareness, doing a good job with that element of, of a good mindset. He sees it happening. And uh, I don't think it said that the guy had a ski mask on or anything, but he had a knife in his hand. So, you know, and he says something like, "I, I, I kind of thought I knew what was happening, but I kind of took, I took a step back in the line from the, you know, from away from the counter, so I kind of, you know, would not be in the way, and I wanted to kind of observe what was going to happen." Uh, he says something along those lines, and so then, and then he hears the guy say something like, "You know, give me the money, or this is a robbery, or you know, whatever it is he says," and now he's he's clued in, right? He knows what's going on. Now he's buying his breakfast. People buy breakfast at gas stations. They buy breakfast at gas stations regularly. So I would assume that this he's probably pretty familiar with this gas station. He probably comes here every you know frequently, if not every single morning. A uh, holiday, by the way, is the brand of gas station. It's not like a gas station that's on holiday. I know that could be confusing because Fairbanks is like 10 miles from a city called North Pole, where the street lights look like candy canes. It's awkward. <laughs> anyway, so the holiday gas station. So he knows his environment. He's very aware of what's happening, uh, all those things. But probably the first obvious thing to, to point out here is he doesn't have this gun with him. Uh, it's, in, it's in the car. And he, he says he you know, carefully puts his stuff down on the counter and sneaks. He uses the word sneaks. Sneaks out of the gas station to go get his, uh, his gun. 
This is a hard one for me. I don't know about you, Matthew. Like I, I, I go. Th- I see a lot of concealed carry students. I teach a lot of concealed carry classes. I go through you know, thousands of students. I just see a lot of students, and I think a large percentage of them, um, they either start out with the intention of keeping a gun in the car and or in the house or in a bag, or just because it becomes uncomfortable or inconvenient, they end up doing it. And, you know, they, they go from trying a holster or something to saying, Oh my gosh, you know, let's, this is too uncomfortable or I can't handle this. Let's, you know, let's, let's keep the, I'm just going to keep this in the glove box or I'm going to keep this in the console uh, because I'm, you know, I'm in my car a lot or I can always run out and get it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think a, a relatively high percentage of people do think that. Hopefully none of the listeners of our podcast because we've harped on this before. But but Matthew, is that your sense? Like, do you think a lot of people are in that category? Well, I would say, and to be honest or to be fair, we don't know the, the person in this story. We don't know if he's a brand new concealed carrier, what his situation is. Um, but I, w- I would say, yes. I mean, I think it goes to that diligent part of the mindset is that like, you don't fall into the the, the mindset of like, all right, well, and I don't know what the what the crime rate is or, and, and I'm speculating, I'm not saying that this was his mindset, but I'm just saying, well, I'm just going up to this gas station. I'll leave the, the gun in the car because this isn't a really bad area. Or I'm just running up. I'll leave the gun in the car or, you know, I'm wearing these types of clothes and it just doesn't really, I can't really conceal it well with these clothes. So, you know, I'm just, um, just throw it in the car. Those types of things, um, they may seem little, but they end up, I, I think overall, they start to build a pattern where it's easier to leave the gun behind or, or to talk yourself out of carrying the gun, which, um, in this case he was able to go out. But I, I, I do think that initially there's either a big like push, like I'm going to carry it every day and, you know, they, they're, they're determined to find the right holster and they'll go through holsters and they'll go through guns and, 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 and get it. Or more often than not, it's, there's a, there's a determination at, at the beginning, like, okay, I think, I, I think I can carry, but then they don't put in like the, the trial and error process of, you know, or they're not comfortable enough to start carrying every day. So it just doesn't become a habit and it never does become a habit. It, this is a hard one because we're talking about what things that me and Matthew see as problems, issues, but it had a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Right? So in this case, it wasn't an issue that the gun wasn't with with our friend Nick Moore. I say our friend; we've never met. Um, it was it wasn't an issue for him. It turned out just fine, but it could have been an issue, and and certainly we've reviewed many news stories where that would have been a significant problem. If you think that you have time to go out and get it. I mean, in the time it takes to go get it, assuming you can get out of the store and get to it at all, in that time, some people could be getting stabbed or shot or whatever else. Uh, that could be really bad. And not to mention, you now have to make a, a re-entry into a situation that you you really aren't in very good control of. Uh, I just don't think anything about that is super smart and, and awesome. We actually did an interview. This is many an episode ago, probably in the late ni- you know, 80s, 90s, or early 100s uh, episode numbers. Uh, we interviewed this guy who was involved in a self-defense incident at a gas station where he he was in his gym shorts. And so because he was in his gym shorts, he'd left his gun in the car and he walked into the gas station. And, and as he was walking toward the door of the gas station, 
a, a criminal had abducted the clerk from behind the counter and was telling her that he was going to, you know, take her out in the desert and do naughty, naughty things and bury her. And he walked into this and he's like, Oh crap. And he had to run back to the car and get his gun. And while he's trying to get his gun out of the car, he gets accosted by the criminal attacks him right there. And he has to go hands on before he can get his gun. Yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's so easy to justify. It's so easy to become complacent. Uh, to to fail in that in that aspect, or to just not you know sometimes you become complacent, sometimes you just never build the habit to begin with, like you said. So, got to have it on you. And and I'll I'll add that just generally speaking, keeping a gun in the car is a bad idea anyway. Uh, it, it's it's probably the oh, you know I'm making up the statistic. I don't really know this factually true, but I have seen data and reports that lead me to believe that the a vehicle is the most common place for a criminal to find and steal a gun. The, the criminals do break into guns, into cars, uh, and, and that's a common way for them to obtain a gun illegally. Uh, I, I know here in Denver, you know, the, the local Denver's uh, chief of police called it a pandemic. This was before COVID. This was like February 2019 or something. But uh, vehicle theft from cars was up like 300 and something percent year over year in Denver. And we've seen a trend across the country of more and more guns being stolen out of cars. So, you know, don't, don't, you don't store a gun in a car. That's not a staging place. And if you do it, obviously hope you do it in a secure way. But if you think that that's the way, that's the gun you're going to go to retrieve in an emergency, you got a problem. Mm-hmm. You may or may not be able to get to it. The time it's going to take to get to it is going to cause problems. I just don't see anything really smart about that. Yeah. And, and I think uh, maybe it's important just to, to mention like, if you're a new concealed carrier and you're just listening to this and you're like, well, I, my, I can't conceal it with all my clothing or I don't feel comfortable. My gun doesn't feel comfortable. I'm not saying you don't feel comfortable carrying a loaded gun on you. I'm saying physically it doesn't feel comfortable or prints or something like that. Um, I, I just want to let you know that everybody, if you've talked to, if you talk to anybody who's been carrying a firearm concealed for any long period of time, they will tell you they've gone through a whole process of different holsters, different carry positions on their body, different um, guns even, and different belts, different clothing styles, maybe getting something as simple as getting a pair of pants that is an inch or two in the waist larger than it was than your typical um, pants or a belt that's more suitable for carrying a firearm or an actual holster that's, you know, if you're carrying appendix or, or a specific position made for that makes a world of difference. I mean, I, I talk to people all the time that are trying to conceal a, you know, a shield and they're like, I can't conceal it. It's too big. And I, and I'm, I, you know, you can carry a full size duty size, you know, Glock handgun. And they're like, well, how do you, it can't be comfortable. And it's all about, the gear and or the, the holster setup and, and all that. So my, my point is, is don't give up on it because the first holster you've tried doesn't, doesn't conceal well, because it, it, it probably won't. That's just, that's just the process of it. So um, that, I mean, and, and not to go in that hole, I, I don't want to get too down that road, but just don't, don't lose heart. We're not just saying, Hey, everybody, the minute you throw your gun on, it's going to be concealable, comfortable and everything. It just doesn't happen, but it is a process. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta be uh, diligent. 
and you have to be willing to experiment and, and figure it out. And, and you also have to figure out like your minimum viable loadout, you know, MVL. Ooh, I just made out a term. <laughs> and now <laughs> I have to write an article. Down. Yeah. The, your, your MVL, your minimum viable loadout. Like you've got to figure out where your starting point is and you can always improve, but, but you got to figure out your starting point. And the starting point is not keeping a gun in the car and hoping that, that that's what you're going to use to defend yourself. Um, I also have a concern with the general mindset here, uh, or, or the defense, the concern with the defensive mindset. When, when the person says, I'm going to set my stuff down on the counter, I'm going to run out and go get a gun, then come back in here and take care of this problem. Like, what is the objective? I just, I just want, like, if you're listening to this, I'm asking you, what is the objective of that person? Is the objective survival? It can't be. If your only objective was your own survival and you can get out of the store, you would run <laughs> and you would not come back. So it's clearly not your survival. So is your objective the defend defending uh, innocent people? You know, the clerk behind the counter, the other people in the ga- the holiday gas station. That's possible. Um, but I got to ask if, if that's the most effective way to, to achieve that. Uh, you know, I mean, just, just trying to help us understand, like, what is the real objective here? It would seem to me, I think it's a very least you know, possible to, to assume that the objective of Mr. Moore was to stop the criminal from escaping and completing their crime and bring them to justice. Uh, you know, if you can do that in a way that's completely safe to all, all people, I don't, you know, then, then you, maybe you can justify it, but it's tactically concerning. Uh, and it's, it's probably illegal. I mean, this, this is probably illegal. Uh, just, you know, you can go listen to episode one of our podcast where we talked about the laws concerning this. It, when you walk out of that gas station, you don't, you don't have an immediate threat anymore. When you walk back in, uh, you're, you're choosing to exercise a uh, force, right? You're choosing to, to put someone in fear of your, with, of, with your gun and yeah, we, you know, it, it, it's, that's hard to legally justify, um, especially when you submit someone to custody and prevent their escape, right? When you say, get down on the ground, you're not allowed to leave. You have to stay here. Uh, I think that the mindset there is not a defensive mindset. I think it is a mindset concerned with the outcome of that individual with bringing them uh, to custody. And I think we have some other legal issues and maybe we'll, we'll circle back around to that when we, when we get uh, toward the end of the, the convo here. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with you. It, it, the, the, and you ask a good question. You, so you said, um, think about what's the objective. Like, it, so put yourself as you're listening to this. Put yourself in the position of this person. You see this. You know your guns in the car. Okay, um, I'm gonna go out, grab my gun, and I'm gonna come in. And my objective is I'm gonna stop this from you know this guy from either robbing the place or harming anybody. I get it. The, the, the more or as important question as that is, is how are you going to do it? How are you going to execute this? And if your idea is I'm just going to point the gun at somebody and that's as far as I'm thinking ahead, right? Like I'm just going to point the gun and that's going to get my, that's going to, you know, uh, I'm going to get to my objective of stopping this. You're not, you're not in the right frame of mind because and here, here's why. Um, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but th- but there's a portion of this guy's statement that's really important, and it, it, it'll make sense once I read it. So um, 
the, the, the guy was interviewed, um, uh, Nick, and he says in the interview, it says, um, Moore went on to say he wasn't planning on using his gun, but that he's glad he had it. He also said he feels having a gun deters crime. And in quotations, they're talking about the gun, a shield against thieves, a deterrent against most crimes. If people know that your establishment could be armed or people in that establishment could be armed end quote. So my, 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 Question is, is so you want to go in there with your firearm and stop whatever bad stuff is going to great. That's noble. That's great. Whether it's legally justified, I don't I don't know. But like my next question to you is, how are you going to do this? If your idea is I'm going to point the gun because it's a shield and it's going to deter the crime. In this case, yes, just pointing the gun worked. Right. He didn't have to fire a shot. But if if your idea is I wasn't planning on using the gun you the gun should never even be out of the car it should have been still in the car because if you're not planning on it if you're not willing to use that gun um it, you know planning doesn't mean that i'm going in there guns are blazing just shooting planning means i've thought ahead of of this and said if i have to use the gun i will right like uh, but i i think there's a a, a I, my, my problem with the mindset here is that, um, it doesn't, it doesn't take into consideration anything that could happen once this person sees that you have a firearm and says, you know, I'm not scared of a firearm. I've been shot before I've been in prison, whatever, and I'm just going to start attacking you. And if, if you've already gone with that plan, I think that you're setting yourself up for failure among other things. And I'll, I'll let you, I, I don't want to hog the, the the time. So I'll, I'll send it back to you. Cause I, I know, um, you wanted to make a point about this specific uh, mindset issue. Yeah, no, I think you're on point, right? The, it's the guy's interview comments suggest he was not prepared to use that gun. If that's what it came down to, and, mm. you know, in this case, we're talking about a knife guys got a pointy pointy thing and um, pointy things hurt for sure, but they you know require a relatively short distance between the attacker and the victim. But when you introduce the gun, Sometimes it escalates the situation. Sometimes it doesn't de-escalate it. It completely escalates it. And so that's a risk you have to take. You know, you have to, this is a, this is a, you don't know the answers, right? In hindsight, we know. In hindsight, we know that uh, the gun did de-escalate. This guy got on the ground and, and he waited for the cops to show up. In uh, in what we, what we don't know, even in hindsight, is what would have happened if the gun had never been introduced? Would this dude have just gotten some cash out of the drawer and left? No one would have been hurt. Uh, because if, if that was the, the likely scenario, if that's what would have happened and we will never know, and you introduce the gun because you introduce the gun, someone gets shot or stabbed. Then now we have more pain, more injury than we would have had if the gun hadn't been introduced at all. So that, that, that doesn't mean it was a bad idea. It just means that we don't know. You're always rolling the dice in these situations and introducing the gun. You have to be committed Right, you have to be determined. That's that element of the of the mindset we were talking about. That hey, if 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 I'm going to introduce this gun, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm willing. I'm prepared. And if 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 that means trigger's got to get pressed, trigger's got to get pressed. And introducing a gun in a situation where you're not willing, you're not determined to 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 do what's going to be required, makes zero sense. Like, what happens if this dude goes to stab you? You're going to like hit him over the head with the gun? I, I I don't I don't know what the what the thinking was there. And maybe, you know, maybe this uh, Nicholas Moore would have done just fine and and 
all would have been good. And in, you know, sometimes people get kind of you know, weird in an interview and, and whatever else, uh, maybe he was just like flustered and said what, you know, came to his mind. And in hindsight, he was like, yeah, no, I didn't want to have to shoot the whatever. Right. But, um, it certainly suggests that there might have been a failure there in the mindset. Yeah, we we never want to shoot somebody. Our our idea is never to go in guns a blaze and just shoot people. That I mean, the, the, so I, I get that, but like his, by by I think and I could be speculating, but when when I hear somebody say that guns are a shield against thieves or they're a deterrent. Um, Sure, they're a deterrent against. He says a determinant, a deterrent against most crimes. I don't know if most, some. I don't know, you know, the 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 number of crimes that are deterrent against. I will say that um, simply having a gun, it, it, a gun is not a shield. It's not going to protect you against a bad guy shooting at you. You could be an awesome shooter. You could be have a sub second draw. That gun doesn't protect you against somebody from shooting you. It doesn't protect you against bullets. Right. Like, so all it does is it gives you an opportunity to use a tool that's effective at stopping somebody. So um, I, I think that we have to get away from this idea that just having a gun somehow protects us. It, 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 it doesn't, it, it just, it's just a tool that you can use the training and your mindset and your ability to use the gun is what protects you, but not the gun in and of itself. It's just like when people say, well, you know, there's guns don't kill people. People kill people. Exactly. Guns don't protect people. People protect people with guns. And it's, it's the same argument. But I think um, if we if we understand criminals, vicious criminals or very violent criminals are not deterred by a person with a gun. They're just not. I mean, I'm just being honest, like from pointing guns at people as a police officer and telling them, you know, you're going to get shot and them saying, I don't care. What are you going to do to me? I can tell you that I've fought with people that want to take my gun from me and they know other people with guns are coming and they still are not deterred by the presence of a gun. So to think, you know, yeah, some people will say, I don't want to attack that person or pickpocket them or whatever, because they have a gun. But those are people are probably not the people that you're most concerned about. You should be most concerned about the violent criminals that look at somebody with a firearm and say, I want a firearm. That person's nothing to me. I just assume smash your face in with a brick and and I'll get a gun out of it. So those are the people that are, are, are not deterred. So I think that mindset really sets you sets you up for failure in the long run. So I also think that as an industry, we sometimes we make broad statements that are factually incorrect because um, as an industry, we kind of have this agenda against gun free zones. Right, this this agenda that like, oh, gun free zones are dangerous because it's an invitation to criminals to come do criminal things. That I think there's an absolute element of truth to that. I 100% agree with that, broadly speaking. But the the problem is if it leads you to believe that the lack of a gun free zone is a deterrent to crime, you're crazy. I'm mean, this. This is a perfect. I mean, this guy. I mean, you know, Nicholas Moore. Again, what he said doesn't make sense because he just watched someone walk into a gas station with a knife trying to commit a crime, hopefully, because he lives in Alaska, fully aware that anyone in that gas station could have a gun. So it didn't deter that criminal, did it? I mean, it sure didn't. And, and crimes happen in places where guns are allowed all the time. Uh, the vast majority of gas stations probably do allow a gun in most states. So anyway, I, I guess... 
take that in balance and let's not say things like, yeah, should we get rid of gun-free zones? Should, should guns be allowed places? Uh, would that help? Probably. Yes, I, I agree. But um, because guns are allowed somewhere, does that mean that it's, it's no longer going to be targeted for crime? Now that's ridiculous. That doesn't make sense. Sure. Um, and ev everything you said also good and important. All right. So let's talk about this interesting detail. Guy walks in, you know, gets his gun from the car, comes into the gas station and racks the slide. Like, like on TV. I don't know what it is, but every single TV show ever, you know, you, you got to rack that slide. You have to. Um, it's like, it's, it's impossible to chamber a gun off camera on, <laughs> uh, in Hollywood. It's got to be, it's got to be chambered while the camera is rolling and hopefully while the criminal is listening. So yeah. that's what happened here. This guy's gun clearly does not have a run in the chamber, goes after the car, grabs the gun, comes in, racks the slide. Now, uh, our feelings about carrying with around the chamber, I think, are pretty well established. If you don't know, <laughs> um, you can go listen to episode 18, the first episode ever that Matthew is a member a part of. Uh, you can mm -hmm. also go listen to, oh, man, now i got to go look up the number. But it's very recently. Riley and I just hashed this out. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, episode 490. So episode 18 and episode 490, we talk about uh, carrying with around in the chamber. And I'll give you the real short version of the answer, and, and that is that our stance on this is it's probably good to practice and work and get to the point where you're comfortable enough to carry with the round of the chamber. Uh, it doesn't make you a bad person if you don't. It just means that you probably are not uh, there yet on that particular topic. And, and again, as mentioned earlier, a lot of us are not there yet on a number of variety of, of you know, ready-related things. Um, this is one of those. So this particular man, Nicholas Moore, didn't have a round in the chamber, uh, came in. And whether uh, he was thinking about this or not, effectively the sound of racking the slide was uh, was intended or or effectively became a deterrent to the criminal. It drew attention to the gun and caused this criminal to say, "Oh, you have a gun." And then with some verbal commands, you know, he gets down on the ground, sets down the knife. So, what are your thoughts there, Matthew? Yeah. So this is I and I I didn't talk to you about this beforehand, but like. So I, I'm curious if you've had the same experience recently. And every so often I have some students in the class in, the, in a concealed carry class. And when they, they'll ask about, do you carry Should you carry it with the round in the chamber? And I carry in the appendix position. So I was talking and one of the students is like, um, so wait, hang on. You, you carry your gun right there. And I'm like, yeah, it's in a holster. He's already said, you just tuck it in your, in your waistband. And I'm like, no, it's in a holster. And so I show him the holster and he's like, so you carry with the round in the chamber. And I said, yeah. And he looked like he wanted to get up and like run out of the class. Like he was, he was baffled. He said, wait, like, so around in the chamber, like loaded. And I said, yeah, loaded. He's like, well, well, why loaded? And, and so, and he's like, so, but you have, it's on safe. And I'm like, no, there's no external like lever or safety switch or anything like that. He's like, wait, and it, like it looked, he looked at me like, I, I don't know, like I had was holding like, you know, Roman candles and shooting them, you know, shooting fireworks <laughs> out of my hands. Like, it, like I was the most irresponsible person. And I try to explain to him and I'm walking him through, you know, how does the trigger work and how does the gun go bang and all this stuff. But like, I, I realized that there's a fundamental thing and, you know, I, I realized this a long time ago, but it's always good to refresh and, and kind of have it refreshed in your mind that there are people that look at, having a gun it just the mere presence of the gun even gun owners 
as somehow the gun may just go off. It may just go off. And so I think that there's a little bit of um, that. And obviously, like you said, we need to get to a point where we trust the under trust the gear that we're using and understand how it works. So we can say, yeah, there are guns that just go off, but typically they're not, they've been monkeyed with, there's some mechanical problem. It's there's some, you know, old gun or something like that, that, that modern guns, if they're the gut, the, the trigger is secure and, and, and it's in the holster they're not going to go off. They just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not, a, you know, I'm not going to put myself liability and say 100,000%. But like when you see a news article that says gun just goes off, gun usually doesn't just go off. So um, I think we have to do some, like um, if you're not familiar or comfortable carrying with the round in the chamber, I think, like you said, it you have to get towards that or, or realize that because it's not just about speed. It's not, it's not because, you know, you could you can rack a, a slide pretty quickly on the draw and maybe you're only a difference of a second. Right. And in many situations, that might not be a di- an, an, an issue. Um, I think it, it's it's less to do with the speed and more to do with the dynamics of using a gun in a fight and not having two hands all the time. Maybe you're defending against a strike or whatnot. So I think that's more for me where I am rather than the speed component, because speed might not, oh, you might not always need a sub-second draw, right? So um, I think that's probably, you know, one of, one of the big uh, elements for me. Yeah, I don't think I'll add anything to that, because I think you you addressed that as efficiently as could be expected, <laughs> given our, our time constraint here. Uh, and so I'll, 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 I guess I'll, the last thing I'll add to this kind of, part of this narrative is, is, is racking a slide a deterrent, right? Like, like pumping a shotgun, you know, kind of concept that we've heard. We've heard that one before. Yeah, just pump that shotgun. People hear the ching and they'll be like, Oh no, I should cower and run away. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's fair to say reasonably that, you know, the sound of a slide racking or a shotgun pumping or whatever could be a deterrent. Like that, I think it's completely plausible. Uh, in this case, it might have been, or it might not have been. Um, I think that when someone hears a gun, it certainly draws attention to the sound. But just as readily, you could just say "Hey" or "Stop," and they might look at you and see um, there's a gun in your hand. So I don't, I don't know that it is a uh, valid, reliable technique um, to to create compliance. I guess that's my that's my two cents. I, I don't think I don't definitely definitely don't think that the benefits outweigh the downside. I, I think that the the upside of having around in the chamber all the time grossly outweighs the potential benefit of me being able to rack that slide and make a make a sound with it. So yeah. everything that Matthew said, plus yes, while technically it might be a deterrent for someone to hear that sound, um, I don't think it's a significant probability on its own. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, my my two cents on that. And and Jared makes a good point, and I know we're short on time. I'll just Jared uh, in the comments said, "I wonder uh, from a legal perspective what uh, racking the slide would be considered a threat." And I would say, you know, any law that you know talks about brandishing a gun, you know, there's brandishing a firearm and racking the slide has this very specific message that's being sent, right? Like, it, it's not like 
you don't intend to use the gun. Racking the slide to me would say, yes, you, you're showing some sort of intent or conveying a, a message to whoever is there that you have a firearm and you intend to use it or um, want them to know that you intend to use it. So I think that there is definitely a level of force, even if you're not pointing at it, pointing a gun at somebody, a uh, level of force higher than just merely maybe exposing the gun and putting your hand on on the grip of the gun, right? I think that that's, that's just considerably higher level of force. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Much, much lesser things are considered naughty. So <laughs> sur- surely racking the slide is going to meet the, meet the qualifications. Yep, yep. A- aggravated assault is when you put someone else in fear uh, that you're going to hurt them with something with deadly force. So if I, if I put someone else I intend, I choose, I, I, I do something, some sort of action or movement with the intention that the other person will, will fear that I might hurt them in a way that's, 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 de- that's deadly, serious bodily injury, like a gun. That's, that's aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, and in most jurisdictions, that's a minimum of 10 years in, in prison if convicted. Uh, Wait, no, that'd be menacing. I always get menacing and aggravated assault backwards. Felon, but it, that would be fe- felony menacing. And, it, and it's you know, effectively the same consequence in bad naughtiness. Aggravated assault would be if they feel, even if it wasn't my intention, if they felt that they were put in, in, in fear of their life, then that's aggravated assault. So it's all about you know, whose who's perspective, but same problem, uh, you know, negligible difference. So yeah, yeah, racking the slide, probably going to be a serious legal problem. If you're not justified to do so, right? Remember, the self-defense is an admission of guilt, but with 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 just cause for why you did it. So, putting someone in fear that you might hurt them with a gun is illegal, but you can claim that you did it because it was self-defense, and and that's the question, right? Are you justified in claiming self-defense? Mm-hmm. All right, my last thought here. Um, and it's been a long time. I, this is one that's kind of a Jacob soapbox issue. And so I know other people may not think it's as, as big of a deal. And I already alluded to it earlier in the episode, but this is going to be my final thought about this incident in Alaska. And that is the citizen's arrest thing. <laughs> we have a comment from a viewer on Facebook who says he loves how I keep using the word naughty. I, I've been using the word naughty a lot lately because it's just like, it's very clear and simple. Like everyone knows what I mean when I say they're doing something naughty. <laughs> or you're trying to change their naughty behavior, like that's good enough. Anyway, uh, sorry, I got distracted by by the live viewer's comment. So a citizen's arrest uh, is something that I think every jurisdiction in America allows for in some way or form. There tend to be two distinct uh, things that vary in a citizen's arrest laws. Um, the first is what has to happen for you to be able to perform the arrest. And the second is how can you perform the arrest? So before we get into those two things, I want Matthew, you're, you're a former cop. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, never <laughs> had a badge. But let's just quickly define arrest. Like when we say arrest, what is an arrest? Like what, what qualifies in, in your perspective as an arrest? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you there's different types of arrest, but there's like, an in custody arrest where somebody is cuffed and they're not free to, to move and they're taken into a jail. And then there's arrest of somebody's movement. Like you're just keeping them from being able to go. So think of like a traffic stop that's considered uh, in many, it, by definition, it's an arrest. It's just an infraction. 
is, is an arrest. You're not free to go. If you get up and start running away, the officer has legal right to stop you and physically keep you from going. So you're under arrest. You're just not in cuffs going to the jail. So there's there's different levels of arrest. So somebody might say, well, I was just stopping this person from going because, you know, they stole a pack of cigarettes or whatever. I wasn't arresting them. Well, if you're keeping them from going, it, it, in some definition, it can be considered an arrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the two phrases I most often use to define arrest are a submission to custody or preventing escape. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you submit someone to custody, which is kind of the first one you, you referenced, that's an arrest. And if you prevent their escape, that's also a form of an arrest. So when we say a citizen's arrest, I'm talking about someone without a badge preventing some other person from being able to leave or submitting them to custody, like physically restraining them. Okay. So so that's going to be roughly the definition of an arrest. So, so now coming back to the citizen's arrest thing. So depending on the jurisdiction, uh, we're, the two things that, that are going to vary are how and when. So let's start, let's start with when I tend to see two different versions of this, depending on the state or sometimes it's a county or city thing, but most of the time this is a state law level thing. And one version that I see, and I'd call this one the most often is you can perform an arrest for anytime you witness somebody else committing a crime. And some jurisdictions will put a specific uh, parameter on the type of crime. So maybe I can commit, I can, I can, you know, perform an arrest if I physically witness the other person commit a felony or a crime involving XYZ. So, so something like that, somewhere along those lines. <clears throat> there are jurisdictions, uh, I'm thinking of one in my head right now, where you don't have to witness it. So, you know, maybe you just need to have a reasonable belief that the crime, X type of crime has been committed. So I wasn't in the bank when they robbed the place, but I see some dudes running out of the bank holding bags and and wearing ski masks. In some jurisdictions, that would be enough to perform the citizen's arrest. So so that's the when issue. The when issue, depending on the jurisdiction, is going to have something to do about whether or not you have to witness it or just have reasonable cause to believe it happened and um, what level of crime has to have been committed. And that's going to vary by jurisdiction. All right, now let's talk about the how. Um, I've been saying this for years. No one has no one has yet to prove me wrong or call me out. And so I'm pretty confident that my research is accurate. I don't think there's a jurisdiction in America where a non-badge-holding individual like myself or you today, Matthew, mm-hmm. can use deadly force or the threat of deadly force to perform a citizen's arrest. It's, I'm pretty sure that's illegal everywhere. Um, I, I know every state I've checked, it's definitely illegal. Um, it always talks about you know, physical force or degree of force up to physical force, um, you know, might be warranted or, or legal, but you can't threaten someone with a gun or shoot them in order to submit them to custody or prevent their escape. That's that's probably illegal. Now, <clears throat> again, you you could do it if you could justify it by self-defense, right? Well, I submitting them to custody, preventing their escape was the only way to protect this person's life or to protect my life. Or like, again, like if you can justify it through the self-defense narrative, that's a different thing, but the act itself is criminal. So if I, if I don't have an immediate threat of death or serious bodily injury and I'm preventing someone's escape or, or, or submitting them to custody, that's probably illegal if I do it with a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and see, and, <laughs> I don't want to hijack your point because your point is super valid and important. I, but I, it dovetails exactly into what, what I, what I was thinking throughout this whole episode is that 
just because somebody doesn't get charged with the crime or just because something ends out ends up with a good so, uh, outcome doesn't mean there weren't procedural things that were done wrong or even legal things that were things that were done illegally. So like, you know, a lot of times people do stuff and they're like, see, that person didn't get arrested. Well, just because they didn't get arrested doesn't mean they didn't do something illegal. There's a vast uh, discretion in, you know, police departments and prosecutors and stuff like that. So um, a lot of times I think myths get kind of perpetuated because they see an article or they see a story and say, see, the person didn't get arrested or see that person didn't have a round in the chamber. They didn't have the gun with them. They didn't intend to use it. They just pointed it and everything went, you know, went, turned out great. And then you use that as the beacon or the, the prototype for all cases or for every use of force. And then you're like, well, why am I sitting in a jail cell? Because I just, you know, we just covered a story where a guy chased down a car burglar and shot at him um, and killed him. And he's in prison for, you know, being charged with murder right now. And it's like, why that guy probably saw an art. I mean, I know there's article, there's cases where people have chased people down and shot them and haven't gotten charged. I know. I, I mean, I can think of cases we, you know, we covered on the podcast. It, so, I mean, don't judge, don't base your actions or stuff off of, uh, you know, a, a news article or something like that. That's, I guess, my point. Yep. So if by some random miracle, Nicholas Moore in Fairbanks, Alaska, if you happen to listen to this, know that we still think the world of you. We're grateful yes. that you're an armed citizen. Uh, we're grateful that you were willing to put yourself at risk to come to the aid of innocent people. We weren't there. We didn't see what you saw. We don't know what you knew. Uh, but we we think that it's great what you did. And wherever you are in your journey as a gun owner, we applaud you for the forward progress that you've made. And uh, anyone else who would, would think that, you know, that they're similar to, to Mr. Moore, know that I would say the same thing to you. I think all of us have room for improvement. And that's kind of the core of what we're talking about here is identifying where we can improve and learning from other people's circumstances so that we can, we can have easy lessons, not hard ones. Absolutely. So with that, that's a wrap today, guys, on today's episode number 496. We appreciate you spending the time with us today. A reminder, so this episode is brought to you by XS Sites and by Legal Boundaries by State Gun Law Reference, uh, Reference Book. The links are in the show notes. Like always, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and to send us any feedback or questions you have. Use the email address podcast at concealedcarry.com. Guys, get on concealedcarry.com. Please give us an opportunity to earn your business. We sell a lot of products there. Use the tools that we make available that are free. Download our app, all the awesomeness out there. I encourage you to engage with us and make this a bigger part of your lifestyle than it is today. Thanks, everyone, for being here today. Matthew, any final words? Yes, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate all, all of you guys' uh, support. Yep, and Riley Bowman should be back next week. So if you missed him, well, don't say anything. We don't want to build up his ego. <laughs> so with that, remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>